0: Good morning, fans, and thanks for the download. In today's episode, we talk to my friend Martin, a.k.a. Junior, about his pick Green Room, starring Sir Patrick Stewart and Anton Yelchin, our first horror thriller ever. I also want to take this opportunity to start a new quick segment on GMP where I give a shout-out to a business or passion of your choosing. Our first shout-out is The Other Craft Shop. You can find them on Facebook. I'll share a link in the description. They are a custom artwork and craft shop specializing in, but not limited to, seasonal ornaments. I have a few of them, and I can tell you the artwork is next level. And the customer service is amazing, too. Local artist Nina Mika will work with you to deliver a -a one-of-a-kind item that you can be proud of. If any of you would like your business of passion shared on the show, just drop me a line, and I'll be happy to support and share. And now, on with the show. the movie yeah i've watched it i've watched it a couple times oh okay i thought i wasn't sure if you'd seen it or not
1: oh no yeah i seen it like like, i I watched it i showed it to mike like uh last year sometime um but then i uh i watched it again two times recently
0: what what made you pick this movie
1: i don't know like for for me um in movies uh I like for one the movie's not super long. I mean it's an hour, an hour and a half, which is like pretty pretty normal. But um it's it's also pretty gruesome because I like I like gory movies, but also I don't like movies that don't have uh, a happy ending. So it seems like it seems like the movie's gonna like not end well, but then it's just like it's everything gets vindicated at the end. Like what you want to happen as far as to the bad people happens, I feel.
0: So yes. it's like <laughs> so the movie is is ninety five minutes exactly. So you're right; it's an hour and a half, um, and it de- definitely has some gory parts. I I've seen gorier Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but this is so this is the first horror movie that we're going to be doing for the podcast. I I classify it as a horror movie. I mean, it's not your stereotypical. Yeah, I would say
1: like thriller slasher kind of. Yeah,
0: exa- yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not it's not your Michael Myers. Or you're Freddy Krueger, but it's definitely got some gory scenes. It's meant to be um, suspense type horror, I think. Um, so, this was uh, written and directed by Jeremy Solnier. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, this is really the only movie that he is credited with directing. I think he's got a total of four movies, I think, but uh, two of them are low budget, you know, pre pre-Hollywood. The other big name one, well, the other semi-big name one is Blue Ruin, which he also wrote and directed. Um, So it was surprising to me that for his first kind of Hollywood debut, um, he was able to get some pretty big names in this movie.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, that's what I was thinking too about it as far as like, uh, um, I guess the main character and then um, the dude from Star Trek. Yes, sir.
0: Sir, Sir Patrick Stewart in the movie, he plays the kind of uh, head of this neo-Nazi group. Um, and then the main character is played by Anton Yelchin. I'm probably not pronouncing that right either, but he's uh, Star Star Trek fame, uh, probably best known for Terminator Salvation. He was also in Fright Night, which is one of my personal favorites, and uh, Hearts in Atlantis, another one of my personal fam- favorites with Anthony Hopkins.
1: Yeah, um, that dude's dead now. He is
0: dead, which is insane. Uh, R.I.P. The last movie to be released before his death, um, which he died on June nineteenth, twenty sixteen, and this movie uh, went to wide release on April, in April
1: of two thousand sixteen. Yeah, it was nuts. Like, uh, it's just weird, seeing in a movie where he's like the last one of the last people alive, and then after all that, and then, and then, our, our like IRL actually passes. It's pretty crazy. And He died like by like a a goofy accident too. It was yeah. pretty
0: crazy. Yeah. Nuts. And he, I I I thought he's a very good actor too. I mean, he was in again in Star Trek was probably the big uh a market he was in currently when at the time of was passing, but um Fright Night the remake is is one of my favorite movies. Um I just think it was done really really well.
1: I say I, I I like Fright Night too. Like the 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 newer one. I thought it was done really well versus like the original one. My grandma used to make me watch the original Fright Night all the time.
0: Nice. Right before bed,
1: yeah, always.
0: <laughs> so, the other main uh, female lead is an actress by the name of Emojin Potts or Poots. Uh, she was in 28 weeks later. Um, she was also in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, uh, Need for Speed, and uh, she was in B for Vendetta, which is my if not favorite movie, then at least top three. She plays the young Valerie in that movie. Um, but she's not really a well-known actress. The only other movies that she's really been in, the ones that I mentioned, they're very minor roles.
1: She's a plays a pretty goofy character in this movie too.
0: Yeah, when I when I you first see her in the background, um, I I thought it was just going to be kind of another background actor, and then she became becomes quite a quite a lead in this movie.
1: Yeah, and she's like a. Uh, like I don't know it's like almost as like she's like all, all like she's all, obviously something happened to her she talks about the reason why she's even there in the first place says so something happened to her and it just so like you know she like she said I'll just say they weren't white you know the people that did something to her so yeah. she is like who she is so I mean like I guess but like it feels like she's like just gone so far past it to where she's like no longer empathetic anymore she's just kind of like weird
0: yeah so so that, that brings up a good point with with Regards to the plot, so uh, Antoine or yeah Anton Yelnitch, Yelchin, Yelchin, I'm gonna butcher that name. This whole podcast. Um, he plays a character named Pat. Um, Pat, Sam, Reese, and Tiger are four members of a uh, grunge band, uh, yelling, yelling type grunge band, and uh, they don't go much into the backstory of them prior to the, where the movie picks up, but you get the sense um, that they are traveling and doing some sort of kind of mock tour. They're not not very famous. They're doing out of the, their van, um, but they wind up in a city where they are doing an interview for a local radio station. And uh, the punk guy, uh, Mohawk, who's interviewing them, has promised them this big gig that he's put together. Uh, unfortunately, uh, prior to the events of the movie, uh, he gets some sort of uh, license revoked, and he can't put the gig on, so he, he puts him in like a, a diner, there's like yeah. singing in a diner Which is crazy to all these old people Who could care less about the music they're singing um, So And this is apparently the last stop They're on their way home They don't have the money, the gas money to get back They actually have to siphon gas Which is, I liked The, the opening of the movie is them in their van In the middle of a cornfield uh, yeah. You get the impression They've fallen asleep at the wheel And wound up in the middle of a cornfield um, But anyway, the radio host Feels bad that uh, the gig fell through, and he says, you know what, let me call my, my uncle or my cousin. Yeah, his cousin, his, yeah. His, his cousin, yeah. Let me call my cousin and see if I can get you a gig. So he does that, and he comes back to them, and he says, I got you a gig. It's actually going to pay halfway decent enough for you guys to get home at least. Um, one small minor detail. It's for a bunch of skinheads, the neo-Nazis. I mean, I guess, you know, they got to listen Oscar. to music too. So so the the band goes to this kind of uh, warehouse, I guess. Um, it's, I, um, I guess it's supposed to be off the
1: beaten path, kind of like kind of like a farm, like you would say like a farm that has a warehouse on it, because it seems yeah. like a kind of like a residence that they stay at.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's set up as kind of a, a nightclub-esque. It's got a bar and a stage and everything, but it's, it's meant to be this kind of hangout for these neo-Nazis. And they show up, and and surprisingly, all the people they interact with that assumably work for this location are pretty nice, I and mean, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah, really
1: also, professional. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Set up in the green room. You know, another band's gonna go on before you. We'll come get you. You know, do you want? Do you have your own stuff, or do you want to use ours, and, and so on and so forth. Which is
1: pretty so, legit. I've actually, I was in a band. Uh... A bunch of, like for a while, like a, a few years. And when we were like going around to, to like go play places and stuff, it, it happens exactly
0: like that. That's, that's, I, yeah, I don't, I have no idea. I, I took guitar lessons for about six months, and that's the extent <laughs> of my music career
1: you know, like your your you um, all the sound is all new, new. So like whenever they're setting up, he's like a little more guitar here and he's like testing and stuff like that. And when he says meow, like, yeah, it's legit. Like singers really do like my, my, my singer used to like, like scream, like, like make like girl sounds. And so I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, so it was just kind of rim, like nostalgic to see that, that part.
0: Yeah. So, uh, they're in the green room. Um, they, they interact with another pretty, pretty well-known actor. He's one of these kind of actors that everybody has seen, but you probably yeah. couldn't name him. His name's uh, Eric Elderstein. He's in uh drastic world Hills of eyes and a ton of sketch comedy shows using like Keenan Peele and stuff like that. Um, big, tall guy, big, just big guy. Uh, and he plays kind of the, the bouncer or the security, if you will. So they're in the green room with this guy and, uh, they get called out on stage and this is where you kind of see the audience, and you know it's it's full of neo-nazi stereotypical bomber jackets, um, you know big leather black boots and, and shit like that.
1: The writing is on the wall too everywhere like SS oh yeah, and like all
0: over everything yeah. Yeah, between the stickers and, and the writing, it's it's very evident that they are in a na- neo-nazi white supremacist type location. the They're watching the audience as they're performing um, specifically our, our lead character uh, Pat, and there's so there's obviously some shady stuff going on in the audience. There's some handoffs. You're assuming some sort of drug deal or something. But I mean, I kind of chalked that up as I was watching it to like, what do you expect? Not just with the clientele, but you're in a, you're in a club. I mean, you probably see that shit all the time when you're performing.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't really say like, I mean, like the kids aren't straight edge because like, which is like a scene and straight edge is basically like they're kind of a hardcore you'd expect kind of that music from them but they like, they don't do drugs they don't have sex they don't drink, but clearly the night before they all drank so like, it was kind of like it's not that he should be too surprised.
0: I don't think so they perform, um, they go back to the green room, um, get their stuff together. Uh, the guys like loading up their instruments and stuff. And and the one girl uh, says, Oh, I, I forgot my phone. And, and Pat says, Oh, I'll go back and get it for you. And he walks back into the green room where there is. Uh, so this is where I kind of, the other people that are in the green room, the, the big bald guy that's, you know, kind of just grunts as, is, is that another band?
1: No. <clears throat> so um like i don't know if like you if you like figured out that portion of it but those are just um so i guess red laces like some other people who are like in, okay. it, in it and, and like uh, like you see like the, the in the beginning the note that she hands him or they have mm-hmm. and did you see with like the the flesh wolf thing So mm-hmm. well, like that was there is her and then the guy danny his cousin that guy's cousin they were in a plot to leave to escape the whole thing
0: so, and they were going to, they were
1: going to, that song was going to be their cue for her to meet him outside. And that's why it was full of all the, all the stuff to leave. Um, gotcha. but, that's where, that, but that's where that guy, uh, I guess, confronted her about it. Cause he's like one of like a, you know, like a, a higher up or like someone, somebody who would, I guess, prevent somebody from leaving. He was trying to find out like who it was and stuff. And then that's whenever she killed, probably cause she didn't speak about yeah. who it was that was leaving. And that's why he probably killed her.
0: Yeah, I missed I missed a whole uh, you know reason why the the event took place. Um, but anyway, so he goes back in to get the phone and the phone charger, and kind of walks in on this scene where uh, a few neo Nazis are standing over a, a dead body, which has a you know knife, uh, pocket knife type uh, weapon protruding from her skull. So it's not like, oh, she's sleeping or she passed out drunk. It's very evident that she has been stabbed and is dead. Um, And then the other girl, uh, uh, yeah, I'm imagine Poots is uh, is in the room and he kind of, you know, oh, oh, shit, I didn't I didn't see anything, but it's good. And like they freak out. All hell breaks loose at this point where the other band members are forced back into the green room. Um, come, some some of the neo Nazis leave to go kind of rally the troops, and they're basically told you're not going to leave. Or actually, I take that back. He actually calls the cops. He attempts yeah. to call the police at that point from his cell phone, um, but the neo Nazis intervene. They get the phone from him, and they basically they talk to the to the police officer. They say, you know, yes, somebody's been stabbed. Please come here, you know, and and essentially appe- appeasing Pat that yes, the the cops have been made aware of this and they're on their way. Just hang tight here while we get this whole thing straightened out. So they're kind of cool with it at this point. You know, obviously some shady shit has happened, but it looks like we're on the right path to get it rectified.
1: Yeah, because he says, uh, um, they're like, you can't keep us here. And he's like, we're not keeping you here, you're just staying.
0: Right. (laughs) Which that's a a really good line. Yeah. I don't know how I would feel about somebody saying that to me, but it was a, a nice kind of subtle way of saying... It, it's not. It's not completely. Yeah, you know, you're not. You're not completely being forced. But for the right now, you're just gonna stay put. It's like
1: like the whole thing up until like up until they they like let it loose on them is like done to kind of appease them. And yeah. And feel that they have either some kind of control or that um, it's there's like some kind of light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah. So I mean, their phones are taken away. Um, but it's done kind of in the scuffle, so it's not like a confrontation of like "give me your phones." Um, but the the main the main guy who seem assumably is running this thing um, goes out, makes some phone calls, and goes to two uh, just run-of-the-mill neo-Nazi guys and says, "Okay, which which one of you is going to do this?" The guy's like, I'll, "I'll I'll take care of it," and he proceeds to stab the other person in like the stomach or the like the chest area. Wow, and this yeah, yeah this happens uh, moments before the cops pull up. And this is where I thought this was phenomenal. This this whole scene is done really well. Because you get the idea when he's talking to the cops on the phone of like, yeah, somebody did get stabbed, please, you know, send some law enforcement. You're like, Well, how is this gonna play out? Are they didn't like have a gun shootout with the cops, something like that. And no, they just stab one of them. So when the cops show up, we can say, Yeah, look, there's a student here the, you know, here's here's what happened, the accident, everybody agrees, and the cops go away. And that's it. Takes that's care of how, the phone call.
1: Because it's how committed those guys are, like to the yeah.
0: yeah, I thought it was, it was really a good uh, plot device to get out of the, the corner they presumably painted themselves in. So some time passes. The, the four band members, along with this other female, are locked in this room. Um, the only person guarding the door is Eric. Uh, this monstrous man who has a very large weapon with him—a large firearm, handgun—and um, yeah, even kind
1: of like cartoony big.
0: Yeah, it's, like, it's insane. It's called. <laughs> it's like a big bull. Well, I yeah, I was looking, at it, I was like,
1: I was like, that almost looks like a flash gun. Like it was huge. Yeah,
0: he even makes the comment to them, you know, it doesn't hold six bullets; it holds five because the cartridges are so big. Um, but he tells them, like, don't, don't rush me, or I will kill you. I will shoot you. Um, this is when Patrick Stewart shows up. Now, Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, because he has been knighted by the Queen of England, best known for Star Trek, but has been uh, probably even um, very closely well-known for X-Men in this generation. Mind-boggling that he's in this movie. I have never seen him do a role like this. He plays the head of a neo nazi He does a phenomenal job. I mean, he's a great actor, of course. That's why he, he is who he is. But to see the range on this guy... Um, So he shows up He owns the property And also leads the neo-Nazis And he Takes over He goes outside the green room He talks to Pat through the door And and basically says Listen We want to solve this We want to fix this We want everybody to be at ease He tells Eric Hand them the revolver And Eric's Are you sure? Yes, hand them the revolver Make him feel comfortable. So he does that. And he says, uh, you know, just come on out. We can we can solve this whole thing. Because at this point, the door is locked. And they say, how about this? We're going to, we, we want a phone. You give us a phone, we'll give you the gun. And, and this kind of whole thing happens. There There is some confrontation between Eric and the group, where the group kind of gets him, one of the guys in the group gets him in like an arm bar. Um, but essentially, it's it's this turn of the tables where they now have the gun and they feel a little more at ease with what's going on, although they're still, you know, held against their will. So Patrick Stewart convinces him to hand the gun out in exchange for a phone. Um, at this point, prior to the conversation through the door, he has called the Red Laces. He tells the other guy who was in charge until he showed up, get the Red Laces here. Um the red laces are, first off, are a real thing in Nazi skinhead culture. Um, it's, it's literally people who have red laces in their shoes, and it's supposed to signify that they have shed blood for the cause. Um, but in this movie, it's kind of more symbolic of the ones that will do whatever they are told to do, regardless of how gruesome it is. They'll keep their mouth shut, and, uh, and they'll take care of the situation.
1: This is a, this is also a pivotal point in the in the in the show bec- or in the movie because um, of who they pick to go get the guys with the red laces. It's Danny, which is the guy with the red jacket, who happens to be the dead girl's boyfriend, who was going to be leaving in the first place. And then in, even before that, um, I don't know if you noticed, but um, Patrick—I forget his name—but the guy who runs the whole thing, mm-hmm. he gets mad at the door guy. Because initially what he says when they're like when they're going to get the kids to stab each other, he says that you should basically um, you should have just let him get caught. Like you should have just allowed the cops to come and like basically find them because that guy would have been to jail. And now instead of that guy, the guy who stabbed that girl, now all of them are in, you know, at risk of being caught because of the cover up. You know right. And so that's uh that was just the other thing, is that now now her boyfriend's involved and that's where that's where they go to send him to go find the red laces and he takes the guys who aren't high.
0: So, and, so that, that explains something later on in the movie, which we'll get to that. I did not fully understand. I missed that for some reason, this whole, the whole scene where he walks in on the, on what happened. I must've missed that. Cause I didn't get the connection with the boyfriend until later when he comes back. Um, but again, we'll get to that. So, so Patrick Stewart has this conversation through the door with Pat and over the phone. Um, they, they come to the agreement, you know. I'll give you the phone, you give me the gun. And he has the Nazi girl who's in the room with him. Um, we're just going to call her Imo because that's the abbreviation of her name. Imo looks through the bottom of the door. It's one of those doors that has kind of like that uh, mesh at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. So she looks through the door and she sees Patrick Stewart standing in front of the door. So she signals to, to, um, Uh, Anton or Pat, go ahead. It's just him. So he unlocks the door and he sticks his hand out with the gun. And as he's opening the door and she can kind of, her point of view changes a little bit. She can see not only two more pairs of shoes, but two more pairs of shoes of red laces. And that's when she freaks out. No, it's a trap. The trap, it's too late. He has some sort of struggle, which you can't see, which I love. I love this device here. He has a, a very, Big struggle through the door. His hand is sticking through the door, um, and but you you can't see any of that. All you see is him kind of trying to get his hand back, freaking out. He eventually gets his hand back in the door, but he has taken three or four shots with a machete to the arm. I mean, this was this is the first big gro- grotesque scene in the movie, and it's it's pretty grotesque. I mean, his wrist is hanging on by probably about a fourth of his of his wrist is is still connected. Uh, interesting enough, Jeremy Solnier, who uh, wrote and directed it, said that when he was you know, called out about all the violence in the movie, he said that to him, violence in movies is like full frontal gore. You have to see everything in order to really appreciate it with uh, the plot. So he definitely doesn't hold back in this movie.
1: There's a lot of that in the movie, too, just like within the plot itself is just um, uh, them talking about wounds and how people die and because there's so much planning into it. So like like uh um just later on with like how they use the dogs and how they only try to use knives and things like that, time of death and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a scene where they're talking about the dead girl and uh one of the guy one of the characters says there's not really a whole lot of blood and the guy walks over and yanks the knife out of her skull and of course blood starts pouring out and he's like, yeah, that's the first first
1: blood you see in the movie
0: yeah it's pretty it's pretty crazy <laughs> um so he gets back in the room uh they they have a, a box cutter um, but they put a couch in front of the door and essentially are, are satisfied that they're gonna be holding off the Nazis or at least you know with the couch and the box cutter and stuff um for whatever reason and this is kind of this is there's a few major turns in the movie that to me take this movie, um, from great to good, and this is one of them. The, the fact that the Nazis don't just kind of run up in the door, guns a-blazing, and, and solve the problem right here um, is, is beyond my understanding, but for they don't. Me,
1: for me, the reason why they can't do that is because they their whole thing, because whenever they go through, because they go through the van initially, and then that's why he starts talking about like the no trespassing signs, getting them out and getting the dogs, Is because there's a specific way he wants to be able to kill them, and that's like basically with the knives, and that's why they can't shoot them. That's why it's so imperative that they can't shoot them because he wants them to find them, like as if they've been trespassing and only having dog wounds, like like bites and stuff on them.
0: So that's that's true. Because I mean, you got to figure at this point, a lot of people have seen them perform, so they know that they were there, and they're gonna wind up just going missing. You know, this is gonna be the last place they're gonna look. So I guess that kind of makes sense. If you find their body and they're riddled with bullets, there's going to be more questions asked.
1: Yeah, and then also if they if they start like you know getting wounded or or their own people like accidentally die in the midst of it, then there's just added you know bodies besides added stories and or um, what's the word
0: uh, investigation. It,
1: yeah, like whatever it is, whenever you try to like say you're somewhere when
0: alibi alibis. Yeah, that's it. So they They incapacitate uh, big Eric. Um, they, they break his arm and then he gets cut at some point, like he gets stabbed or throat cut or something. He's otherwise out of commission. And while they're searching for a way out of this room because there's only the one door, I mean they're like banging on the wall, but it's concrete. They're looking for like vents, but there are none. Um, they do come across this kind of wood paneling on a section of the floor. Which once they break through, they find an entire underground bunker that's filled with drugs, not just drugs but like drug paraphernalia uh, ingredients um, its I mean it's a it's a lab it's a lab to produce heroin, I think mm-hmm. um, this lab has a second exit, but it's it's blocked off or it's locked it's like a, a stairway up it's, it's uh, you're you assume it's underground and there's a stairway up to. You know, the ground, um, but it must be padlocked or something. So that's not gonna help them. So while this is all happening and they're trying to investigate a way out, the skinheads are outside the facility, and at this point, there's probably five or so of them, and they have a couple dogs. And for the next about twenty minutes of the movie, there's two or three attempts for this band to leave the green room, leave the the building. And they're stopped either by the dogs at first, um, which they ends up getting one of the band members eats his throat out. Um, but they managed to stop the dogs with some, some feedback with the microphones and the stage equipment. Um, there's also, there's a great scene. And this is where the boyfriend comes back. He is sent in to kind of, you know, tangle with the band members in the green room. But when he gets there, He tells them, yeah, I'm I'm here to help you, you know, and then this is kind of without knowing the front part. I must have missed the front part. I'm like, why is this guy suddenly helping them? I couldn't I couldn't figure out why um, why he was doing that. So he comes in, he attempts to help them, gets them out of the green room and over to the bar and he's explaining to them, this is what we're going to do to get out of here. And all of a sudden his head explodes because he's shot by uh, a couple of other skinheads coming in. So that was that was an interesting scene. I wasn't expecting him to die so quickly.
1: Yeah, because he's like talking because what he's doing is he's looking because whenever the one guy gets shot by the or gets chewed up by the dog, he looks over and sees a shotgun under the bar. So whenever he's outside, um, Patrick uh, or the uh, what's the I forget his name, but the leader guy, Mm -hmm. he looks over at the bartender and goes, what do we forget? And so he actually gets shot by the gun he was looking for by the bartender. And then the bartender gets slashed open with like uh, with the machete or whatever. Yeah. But that's also where you discover another plot because because so the, the leader was mad at the guy because he brought got all of them involved. But then when he checks the trunk of the guy who was trying to escape with the girl, he actually finds a murder weapon that he was going to use, I guess, as blackmail to keep them from bothering him or something. So that's why he kisses the guy on the head instead of being mad at him, he's happy. He's like, because you actually saved us all. So it's like, there's like plot after plot after other things that's happening in the movie.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's layers. It's like an onion, it's like an ogre. Yeah. (laughs) So um, basically one by one, the band members die through these attempts to get out of the building. And it winds up just being our main guy, Pat, uh, Anton, and then the skinhead girl, Imo. The two of them are the only ones left alive. Uh, Pat still has a, ju- like half his arm hanging off, but they, they duct taped it, um, essentially duct taped it together as bandages and he's got a jacket on. So it's, it's, he can't use his arm, but it winds up not really being a major issue for him. Um, they, this is a, this is the point in the movie where, again, I, I feel like it goes from great to good. These Nazi skinheads, the two of them have, have perished, um, but you still have four or five outside the building. Patrick Stewart, at this point, takes two of them, young ones, are presumably new to the group, and says, you two are going to be the ones that are going to go in there and finish this off, and the rest of us are going to go have a couple beers or, you know. Go get the van ready for for setting up this the stage of, of how this whole thing happened. Which kills me because at this point, they're winning. They, they've been, managed to execute three out of the five people that they're trying to kill, um, but they ease up. And by easing up, uh, they send these two guys into the green room. They go into the green room and Imo and Pat have had enough and they have decided they're going to fight back. So they stage this whole thing where he goes down into the bunker area and Imo hides in the sofa in the green room. And one of the guys goes down in the bunker to look for him while the other one's like kind of sitting up on top of the ledge. Uh, she climbs out of the sofa, slices his throat from behind and the two of them take out the other guy. So now they've overpowered the two skinheads that were left and they, they are pretty much able to walk right out the front door and you're assuming they're gonna get away this is it they're gonna leave the building they're gonna to run to the police station and the end of the movie but oh, instead, my,
1: my most annoying part in the movie happens in the underground scene whenever he's trying to reload the shotgun to kill the other guy and the girl walks up behind them and she uses two bullets how important are the bullets at this point in time where you're like you're counting me you need all the bullets you can and she shoots the guy one time in the neck, and then one time directly in the head. And if you have no nothing impeding you from shooting somebody and point blank killing them, why waste the bullet? Because it comes into a later effect too, where that bothers me. Why that comes in, but you can go ahead.
0: So you're one hundred percent right. There's the other thing that bothers me about this scene is the Pat, who's down in the bunker, is hiding behind a wall, and the one ahead hops down. Um, somehow loses the shotgun. I forgot how that happens, but he doesn't have any weapons at all. He also has his back to Pat because he's looking at the girl up above. And Pat, rather than grab any one of the hundred things around him, including glass jugs that he could just easily bash this guy over the head with, decides to pick up the shotgun and tries with one hand to reload it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's like chemicals. There's got to be like acid and stuff around there because you can see some of those like stuff, like some of those like dark brown bottles that are there. They have, yeah. to have something bad in it, you know. Even if you throw coke like heroin in somebody's face, like something. even
0: that, like, you know. I just couldn't believe when I saw it, the, the what the skinhead turns around, the camera pans over to Pat on the ground trying to load the shotgun with one hand, and I'm like, what are you doing? Just hit him with a jug or like punch him. Who who knows? Anyway, so they get out and rather than go to the police they kind of walk through the forest Oh, so they they do manage to get the the one main guy not patrick stewart but the other guy who was in charge prior to patrick it Stewart works. showing up yeah they get him and they, they have him lead them through the woods to the the house where the other two or three skinheads are there kind of setting up the van um and they let him go they tell him to go go to the police or call the cops and tell them to come over here which I, again, I kind of lost as to why he would do that and not just go grab a gun and come back and help uh, Patrick Stewart. But anyway, uh, they show up, catch the other, the neo-Nazis by surprise, and kill all three of them. I mean, it, it's a little more ceremonious than I'm making it out to be. They they kill two of them, and they, they go up to Patrick Stewart, and he has this moment where he kind of, like, turns and walks away. And he almost, I think he attempts to, like, shoot himself, or he does shoot himself. But regardless.
1: He pulls out a gun, I think, to, like, try and secretly shoot them but then he turns around to try and shoot them. And then he, he gets off.
0: Yeah. So they kill the last three of the neo-Nazis. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. I don't I don't even think you see the cops show up, but just kind of more, they sit down. Yeah. And... And it's
1: kind of like he walks up to them and he goes, we need the cops. And then it cuts away from there. So you don't know if like, he's like, we need the cops. And then like, after it cuts away, he's like, ah, like no, we don't like you, know, like, you don't even know who he walks up to, you know, really. So it's kind of like that. Plus like, also again, the part where if she, cause she used the extra bullet.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: at the very end, you see the dog walk up to them and they both yeah. fire at the dog. They both shoot and like she reloads her shotgun and the guy, the kid shoots the pistol to, at it, like just keep shooting. There's nothing there. So had she had like, if that dog would have freaked out on them, they yeah. both probably would have fucked like, or messed up right
0: there. At least yeah. at that
1: point. <laughs> you <hear> <laughs> imagine after
0: all that, that's how they die. Yeah. Um, so, so the, the, the movie ends there, kind of fade to black. They have this moment of, of survivors where they slump down. It's like, ah, oh, I get to rest finally. Well, she do not get
1: to what his Desert Island band is. Right. Just, <laughs> right. He's the only one, yeah. But she's just like, tell somebody who gives a shit. Yeah. Right. And she um, never follows the rules the whole time. Like, she's just like, always like, causing them problems and doesn't follow the rules. And like, also, whenever they do the Desert Island band, she says two to people, like Madonna and somebody else or whatever, instead of just one. I don't know, she just kind of irritated me a lot in the movie. <laughs> just the stuff that she did. Like when she like was like, turn on the light, the the lighter, and she was like, uh, stay calm now or whatever. It was just like, so ominous. Like, why was she being so weird? Like, you know, but yeah. whatever.
0: She Yeah, she's definitely a weird character. I mean, the first tip off is her hairstyle, which I can't even describe. It's like a Justin Bieber mixed with a mullet kind of thing. Yeah. Um, It's just odd. She's an odd character.
1: From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're don'tforgetatowl.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe and don't forget a towel.
0: Um so I mean overall I liked the movie I thought it was I thought it was a good movie definitely worth a watch um I mean you can pick apart any movie really but that I think Patrick Stewart and uh Anton uh, Yelchin's uh, acting performance really makes the movie um the movie is it, it comes out April 15th 2016 in wide release but for its first real premiere is at Cannes Film Festival in May of 2015 Um, where it it doesn't win any awards, but it gets some definite, some huge recognition. Uh, It goes on to Toronto's International Film Festival in September and then opens the limited release on April 1st, uh, 2016, wide release April 15th, 2016. Um, The movie itself, however, uh, was announced by Broad Green Pictures on May of 2014. Uh, They would finance the film. Uh, Patrick Stewart said in an interview when he finished reading the script that his uh, in his country home in England, uh, it was so terrifying to him that he locked up his house, turned on the security system, and poured himself a scotch. Uh, he then he then knew that he wanted to play the the Darcy banker role because a character that horrifying would be an incredible challenge and make for a compelling movie. Uh, he signs on in October of two thousand fourteen to play him. Um, just definitely an odd casting choice but very good i mean very good at casting choice
1: yeah it's really like um it's really like big picture like the like the 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 antagonist in it it's not really just that guy it's like the whole system of like how that works plus like the band is like they don't have like any social media pre, pre- like presence at all they're like that's like their thing they're like super edgy you know and then like uh when they play the um the diner actually there's one guy who's recording him with his phone and the guy even tells him he's like cut that you know cut that shit off like you know because they don't want to be seen that way then plus like he's at the end when he when he talks about his his desert island band the interview is actually playing and then like also something i didn't understand was was the the two guys or the guys who killed the girl in the beginning Mm -hmm. they gave them they gave them heroin and it looks like they both overdosed or like can it shows like a clip of them like somebody just chilling there with like a, a needle in their arm and then like another thing is too is like whenever she goes tell somebody who gives a shit about his desert island band immediately afterwards um ccr starts playing so clearance clearwater revival
0: mm-hmm. so i'm like is
1: that his band so like i don't know if it was like if that was like a play to that but that's just some things i noticed
0: it's a great band um yeah it, it's it's a, one of the things i like about this movie um which I think is a directorial or writing choice um, is that it doesn't walk you through every plot point. I mean, a lot of movies can go into some heavy over explanation on things that you could just pick up through context clues. Uh, and what's funny enough is that's kind of um, uh, Salnier's style. He doesn't, he doesn't hold your hand all the way through the film. Um, he doesn't want to explain every single element, um, which is nice. I, I think, I think, When you you can see a director or a filmmaker kind of trust their audience that, yeah, they're going to get this. I don't need to hold their hand. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's cool. Like, it's like, well, like for me, too, because like I uh, like being in a band at one point in time, we were like in like a kind of like a break core band. But yeah, you like really get into your scene. Like, you know, your music is your music and like you feel a certain way about it. And like, you know, like you feel way about like, uh, you know, kind of higher, better than, you know, people like, you know, like if they're not in the same scene as you. But, like, it, when it all comes down to it, you're still just, like, kids, you know? So it's, like, like whenever they did that Nazi punk song, that cover, like, mm-hmm. if of those Nazis, like, that's funny. That's them being rebellious. But then, like, whenever, like, it actually, like, hits the fan, like, they're, you know, they start to cower and get, like, scared. Like, Tiger, he's real soft. And then the uh, the girl's her name, Reese, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Was she Is she the one who was in Spy Kids, I think? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like yes. She's, yeah. in,
0: she's also in... Um oh god what's the name of that tv show that was on netflix with the blooks
1: oh Oh, it's the development
0: yeah yeah yeah, that one
1: but yeah she uh but yeah like but you feel for them because like tiger like he doesn't you feel bad for the guy because he doesn't want to die obviously and he's like super scared and he's the first to get you know bit up and then the other girl with like the the uh, extinguisher she gets mm-hmm. scared and honestly you know what I thought whenever she, he walked into that room and she was like looking at the vent I thought she was hanging like I thought he was going to come in and she had hung herself but uh so that didn't happen and then she ended up getting attacked by the dog anyway and then mm-hmm. he's like damn that sucks <laughs> you know like it's one of yeah, those kids you didn't want to die didn't want to die and she ended up dying
0: anyway next next to Anton and Patrick Stewart she's arguably the, the next biggest name in the movie so when she died period I was kind of shocked I wasn't expecting her character to, to not make it to the end um, so the movie unfortunately, is not a success. Uh, its budget is five million dollars, box office 3.8. So it loses a little over a million dollars, um, which is unfortunate because I've, I've seen much worse movies go on to make much more money. I, I think it was probably just lack of of you know knowing about the movie. Does, it didn't get a whole lot of press. I don't I don't personally remember the movie being uh, advertised at all. Do you, do you remember seeing anything like this?
1: No, I actually, the, the only way I found it was um, through like YouTube once, like, like a, like a YouTube reference. I think it was like below a music video or something that I had watched. And then I was like, Oh, what is this? Like, and I was like, is this a new movie? And then, and I believe it was probably maybe two thousand. 17 or something when i seen it and it was like oh it's already been out like you know and it was like oh i was like so maybe it was easy to find and sure enough i was able to find it and was able to watch it it was one of those where you're like oh i want to see this that's got to be good and then i watch it and i actually really enjoy it and it's like a cool it's one a movie you can show somebody because it's not like too gory but it's like gory enough and then like it's over you know before too long
0: yeah it's not a, it's not a constant gore a lot of the movies that have heavy gory scenes are usually pretty gory throughout the whole movie this movie, the scenes that do show gore or show blood, um, they're extensive. I mean, they're very detailed, but they're fairly quick. There's probably about a half a dozen of them, and I wouldn't say any of them last longer than thirty seconds or forty-five seconds. So it's not too bad. Yeah,
1: um, but yeah, like it's it's not like it's just like one of the, a movie that I enjoy. It's not like a, like a, where you say it's like a it's not a bad movie, or it's not like a great movie. But I definitely like worse movies. That are bad movies, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I like I actually like like B rated like gore movies, you know. So like I thought it was really cool because like, whenever you're looking at the cuts and stuff, like I'm actually looking at like how they make them happen and things like that. So when the hand was like dangling and stuff, like you like that's pretty crazy. Like that looks nuts. It looks real. And then like with the um, the one guy who died, he got stabbed in the back and they try to keep him alive. That's mm-hmm. when he was talking about the death time or whatever. But the later he dies, the better. Then later on, you see him and his like face is like chewed up
0: like pretty, so this is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean the the five million dollar budget must have strictly gone towards Patrick Stewart because I mean yeah. if you think about it when it comes to sets the they're in the woods. Um the the one building that they're really in they're they mainly
1: hit, in one room.
0: Yeah they're mainly in one room. They do a diner scene in the beginning but that's kinda it uh as far as props go you got a couple dogs you get so dog trainer stuff like that. Um, machete couple weapons. I mean, there's really there's not a whole lot in this movie that I'm going, okay That's what they spent their month, their budget on
1: Oh, that's true. I didn't think about it that way, but I bet. Yeah, it was probably Patrick.
0: Yeah Yeah Um, so we got a couple ongoing gags. We like to do on this podcast uh, The first one is i've come up with five questions That I think pertain to just about every movie out there in hollywood And I like to ask everybody's opinion on these questions when it pertains to the movie that we're talking about today, Green Room. Uh, Question one is, what aspect of the storytelling do you think were done right? And what aspects were done wrong? And who do you give credit for? The writer, director, actor, so on.
1: Um, Well, yeah, so, like, I like the the mix of, like, having to, like, you know, dig deeper, because I read a lot of books. Um, But unfortunately, when you read books, plot theory kind of, like, happens like is a thing that you like like you i watch a movie and i like already pretty much know how it's going to end and it usually happens a lot so one thing that kind of annoys me is just like plot convenience and so like uh just seems like you know things just kind of happen and it just like works out that way like you know so it's like oh now it's her boyfriend who's in there like oh that's pretty convenient you know and then it's like um uh, with the bullet thing like how there's no um I'm sure it was intentional, but like the waste of the bullet and then where the dog at the end and then, okay, but the dog's not actually going to kill them when this whole time it wanted to like, but I guess it shows how trained the dogs were because they only attack on the certain word. But it's just was one of those things. So I would say just probably just um, plot convenience, but also being able to uh, kind of dive deeper and figure out more. Um, But I mean, I guess that would be more so for the writer.
0: Yeah, the the nuances in the movie, the the things that don't come out and smack you in the face, but do kind of lead to the overall development of the story in your head. Uh, I, I agree with that. I think that was done really well. What do you think was done not so well?
1: Um, probably some of the other characters, like the band characters, like I uh, like. I mean, like, well, like you know, I'm not usually for one, like saying like, oh, a movie should be longer. But like, I wish I, like there was a little bit more character development like in like some of the characters like because I just really feel like you don't really get to know anyone really in the band other than like you know kind of like they have that little small interview with them and I guess they're like what you know about them is they're like desert band and then the person you don't know anything about is the one you end up spending the most time with really so I mean it's just, that's just kind of weird I wish I could have known more about the, the the people the other characters other than just like I wish you don't die
0: yeah very well put i mean a a good chunk of this movie um kind of right in the center is spent this kind of in and out of the green room and picking off each person one by one i think you could trim you know five ten minutes off of that and elongate the beginning where you do get more character development because i mean to play to your point as these people are getting knocked off during the movie i really don't care i mean i'm not invested in them so so it doesn't really bother me that they're getting they're getting killed so very well put Okay, question number 2. What is the biggest unanswered question for you about the movie and do you think it was done intentionally?
1: Yeah, it's the 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 desert island which is a song for him which which is like I'll never know if it's and I feel that it is done intentional that it's the the CCR band at the end, but it's like it's just it, it annoys me because the girl says hers and like she feels the need that it's okay for her to say what her desert band, although even though she kind of like brushes him off and kind of make make pokes one of them for doing it in that situation but then she feels it's okay for her to say it but then afterwards when they actually have a chance to breathe and after all they've been through she's like an asshole about it like you <laughs> know he it's like, just, just like and it's like wait what like it's like and then like cuz it's in the moment too where it's like you know it's over and you're like oh, okay like almost where really you like in the movie you'd be like getting ready to walk out and then right. you're like oh he's about to see that answer and then it's like actually no F you <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, question number three. Personal connection is important. Was there anything that happened in the movie that reminded you of a real life story that happened to you?
1: Yeah, just the band stuff. Like I've been there with like people who are like uh, um where like like they're really like uptight. like I've been in places where one time we went to we had to go play at this bar and uh, we actually had to get permission slips signed because we were underage. And we went in there, and like the 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 band that played before us. Um, was really like um, unaudible like you couldn't hear what they were saying just like super like gory um, uh, metal and then we went up there and we were just like kids and we had like kind of like we had breaky stuff and we were heavy but it was like we were like played to our scene and mm-hmm. they were like uh, like laughing at us and like like, like saying they were going to like eat our like face and stuff and like trying to like intimidate us and that band that, or that place actually they recorded all of their bands and sent us a DVD God I wish I had it but uh, when we got the TV and finally watched it, we're kids, and the first like two minutes of it is just titties, like they see there's it, just it's boobs, you know. And it's just like, so I know that feeling of being like, oh, like we're around like adults, like yeah. we have no parents around us, <laughs> you know. We drove ourselves here. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, man. I just I got a couple goofy band stories I could tell you at a later time. Just random stuff that we that that happened to us. Like, I mean, there was a fire once. Like our band gone to a fight, like once, like it's just Jesus. a bunch of different stuff. Yeah.
0: Nice. Okay, so question number four: What is the most important sequence in the movie?
1: I would say probably the uh, the the handoff at the very beginning. Like, if because if you don't like pay like the where the guy hands the girl, like you see Danny hand the girl the the uh, the paper. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't start to question that and pay attention to that then you lose, like, the whole, like, other than they don't want, like, you lose all the other stories, uh, other than the fact that they don't want them to go out and tell people that they murdered that girl. If you don't pay attention to that, you lose all the other plot, like, sides.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would say that,
1: to me, is the most pivotal part.
0: I think that scene, or, um, I mean, the the initial machete scene where he gets his arm kind of cut, that that whole kind of interaction with patrick stewart and the give me the gum for the cell phone type that's a pretty pivotal point too because i think that's where the movie really turns from okay this could still potentially end like nicely to okay there's no way we're getting out of here alive. Uh, yeah it's,
1: like the guy like it seems like they're all pretty done with the tour at least uh pat the guy the character pat for Anson's mm-hmm. character he's just like doesn't even it seems like he's not even enjoying himself anymore. Like they're all like saying they're going to drink and he's like, I'm going to go to bed. But then like, it's like, does he drink? Because they wrote all over his face the next day. But it's like, so then he must have drank. Otherwise, how the hell did they write on his face that he's <laughs> passing out like that? You know, so it's like, I don't know. I actually really like that scene um, because like, it's like he finds the music and it's like one, two, three. And like, literally, it's the next day instead of you like hearing any of the song,
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: pretty cool. Which is, again, it's like, what is that song? You know, so there's a <laughs> lot, of, lot of things it doesn't really, like, fill you in all the way.
0: See, the the music doesn't take as much of a forefront in this movie as you would expect it to for a movie about a band. Um, okay, question number five. If you could recast two roles in the film, what roles would they be? Who would you recast in them and why?
1: Hmm, I don't know. That's pretty tough for me. Um, I would say it's pretty tough for me because other than, like, horrors like and nobody no no name peoples like in horror movies I watch most of the time I'm watching comedy so like if I feel like if I change a character it would just like change the plot into like a some kind of like to like a comedy. Um maybe it would be kind of cool to see like uh the guy from uh Butterfly Effect, um the chunky guy who went buff. Ethan Suppley is his name.
0: Yeah, his, he's he's in Daredevil now. Oh, is he? Have you not have you not seen Daredevil?
1: The uh, I've seen a little bit of it. The Daredevil, oh. the one with the uh, the one that's on Netflix. I've seen yeah, a little the, bit of it.
0: Oh, you gotta watch it. It's amazing. Um, um yeah.
1: But I'll switch him out with the Eric guy, the the other doorman, because I think mm-hmm. it would be cool to see to see him play because like, that role is kind of a serious role, but like I feel like he's like changed now as like a like as a person and an actor. It would be cool to see him be his buff, like kind of like big self now and play and play that role. And okay. then probably for, um, I don't know. it Sounds kind of like, kind of crappy, I guess. But maybe pick somebody else to play the 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 other girl who died. Um, the the, Reese, band the one who was, the, yeah, the one the the one who was in Spy Spy Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, just because because like uh, I don't like I don't really like care for her as an actress or like really pay too much attention to her career. So because of the fact there was nothing given to me to like really like feel for her or like like you know like um like you know whenever she was like actually after her death it was like oh that was you felt bad but then it, you get over it really quickly which mm-hmm. would be you like if there's anyone who had a little bit more um anybody who I was a little more connected to if it was anybody who was more expensive then the movie would have just lost more money maybe
0: true you know? um i i agree with you i think i could see uh maybe um jennifer lawrence i could see jennifer lawrence playing uh a role in this movie she could play the other the skinhead female who makes it to the end yeah kind of because that that character has got to be the tomboy tough you know chick uh and i think she would do a really good job i also like uh chloe grace moretz i think that's how you pronounce her last name um i think she she can play that role pretty well as well
1: um or like the the what was a girl that was in Kick ass
0: yeah, that's her. That's, that's her. Oh, uh, damn.
1: that's weird. Yeah, because I was say, uh, she's who else came to mind? That's Goofy. That that just happened.
0: Yeah, she's <laughs> she's really good in those roles. I like that. Have you ever yeah. seen the movie Let Me In? Mm-mm. Oh, you should check that one out. That's a good one. It's a remake, um, <laughs> but she she plays the basically basically the main character in that movie. It's just really well done. It's kind of a slow movie, um, but it's very suspenseful. Uh, So one of the other things we like to do is, obviously, you know what Rotten Tomatoes is. Um, People can go on there, both critics and audience, and and rate movies. Uh, We like to play a little game called Guess That Tomato, where you are going to guess the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes for Green Room.
1: So Okay, so Rotten Tomatoes, is it the more tomatoes is better, or the more tomatoes is worse?
0: The more tomatoes is better. So it's zero to 100 and obviously a hundred is a perfect movie and a zero is surprisingly a lot of movies score zero, but can I make you're... a
1: drinking game out of it?
0: Absolutely. We, so we encourage I it, that.
1: If I get it wrong, I'm gonna drink a whole beer. I love it. <laughs> so odds are pretty high. So I would say a
0: 4.6. Out of a hundred.
1: Oh, out of a hundred. Holy <laughs> holy shoes. Uh let's say seventy-eight.
0: That's 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 Is that high? A it's a pretty good guess. Oh. So here's the next thing I want to do. I can give you two uh hints. You you pick which one you want. I can give you three other movies that are around the same score as this movie, or I can give you the critic's score.
1: Mm. Give me three movies.
0: Three movies that are within two points of this movie. Mm-hmm. Bad Boys for Life, Frozen 2, and the recently reviewed movie, uh, The King of Staten Island.
1: You know, I was I actually watched that, uh, that movie. I tried to watch it, and I fell asleep and woke up, and it was... Because uh, I fell asleep with my tablet on my bed, and I woke up and there was an animated... Show playing, and I was like, Whoa, this took a turn! So I didn't <laughs> I but I would say, within two points,
0: have you seen any of those movies?
1: I've seen Bad Boys for Life, I've watched some of Staten Island, and then Frozen 2. I'm not, haven't seen it, and I'm never gonna watch it. Oh, but I'm totally sure, totally gonna watch it. <laughs> never, I'm sure that, uh, and I love Disney, but like, call me old fashioned, but I don't know, like, uh, it's just not for me. But um, I'm my, so my thing is, like, is do I feel like Bad Boys for Life is a good movie? Like, do I feel like it's better? Like, am I going up in the two or am I going down? So my, my initial guess, what, 78?
0: Yep, 78 was your initial guess.
1: I'm going to go 79.
0: Okay, interesting. The actual audience score for Green Room on Rotten Tomatoes right now, 75.
1: Isn't
0: that? That wonderful. was. You were close though. You were. You're four yeah. points away, or three points with the original score. That's pretty good. Has anybody got it? One. My my last guess. Matt Scruggs hit it right on the head. Uh, now with the caveat, he did look up the score prior, um, but said he couldn't remember it. But coincidentally enough, he got it right on. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just saying that uh, it's a little fishy. And he does chug his beer, ladies and gentlemen. He's a man of his word.
1: I read the score earlier, but I totally forgot it. you <laughs> believe you, Matt. What was his movie?
0: He picked Wind River.
1: I was I wanted to pick a horror, like a, a thriller of some kind. I almost went with The Green Inferno. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but I
0: have not. No,
1: it's about cannibals, um, and it's it's disgusting. It's actually like it's way worse but so i was like yeah it's too much and then like in my mind i was like the green inferno and then i was like oh the green room like in the same same kind of lane uh, but they're totally different two different movies don't uh don't anybody listening don't go watch the green room after or the green inferno after watching the green room and expect it to be any kind of related they're not
0: (laughs) have you ever seen green street hooligans oh yeah Oh great movie
1: isn't there a couple of them now
0: uh yeah, I think was, so there's the one main one. Then they mm-hmm. came out the sequel that I think kept one of the main characters. And then at this point they're probably on like number four straight to D V D, you know, yeah, just same green title, but none none of the same characters.
1: There's another movie. What's the guy's name is Anton? He was in another movie that I really, really liked. Uh what's his name? Anton I'm not sure. The guy who was in this movie, the actor.
0: Oh, oh, Anton uh Yelchin Y E L C H I N.
1: He was in a movie with uh, uh, the sleepy monster things or whatever. It was like the monster that he, only he could see at the time, like a, a period, like at certain times. And like there was some girl that he was trying to see. Odd Thomas. That's the movie.
0: I've never seen it.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a thing of books. It's pretty cool. Like if you like, like, uh, I guess it's kind of horror, but it's basically this, there are these things that they, they, they show up when people are going to die. And they show up in like kind of mass. They look like little creepy, creepy dogs. Or if you ever watched uh, Constantine, um, with
0: Love like, Constantine. The, like,
1: you know, like the creatures, like the de- demon creatures, mm-hmm. they kind of like start to like huddle around people when they're about to die. And Odd Thomas can see them. And that's basically the beginning of that. But it's a worth a watch. It's cool.
0: I'll check that out. So, so Green Room is uh, released widely on April fifteenth. It's. Uh, do you know any any guess on is the top movies uh, April fifteenth? 2016 i'll give you a clue that the very number one movie is a disney live uh live movie the live during like the whole you know they did a ton of different movies recently when they did the live uh, action i'm sorry
1: was it lion king
0: it was not lion king it was jungle book
1: oh i actually really enjoyed jungle book
0: the jungle live book's book- a, a good movie good uh good book um the live action was was pretty decent.
1: My my like I just like a sucker for uh, the guy who played King Louie, which is uh, Bill Murray, is that who it is? Yeah. Who it yeah. So I was I was just there for that. I enjoyed that, but I mean, was it my favorite. No. Do I like a lot, Any a lot of the live editions of Disney movies? They do probably not.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a good premise. Uh, unfortunately, I think Disney fell in the same thing that most studios fall in, which was the first one did really well. Let's do seventeen more.
1: Yeah, which is, like, was bound to happen. I thought about that at one point in my life, which is, like, I think that way, because I play music, too, and all I think about the way about music, too, is, like, eventually we're just going to start recycling songs. And I hear that all the time in music. I hear, I hear like, oh, I actually know where this is from. Like, this, they're using the notes or the same progression. And then that's got to happen with movies where they're just, like, oh, let's just start remaking all the movies. Like, you know? Yeah. And so, like, but, you know, sometimes it's pretty cool, like, uh, whenever they redo stuff. Because now they have, like, money and, like, you know uh things like cuz like uh, uh but i mean uh, god i just love like what people did without without money like or with like total recall like the original total recall oh my god
0: great it's movie he, here's what bothers me about Hollywood's remakes i like the original movie i like it it's good it's got a good storyline stop trying to change it Stop trying to twist the ending. Stop trying to add characters to take out scenes. If you were to give me a remake that was literally a shot-for-shot shot remake, but you're using today's technology, you're using today's actors, the today's you know special effects, I'm going to love the movie, just like I love the original. I want to see a modern-day remake shot-for-shot. Shot. That's what I want to see.
1: I just hope they never remake my favorite movie of all time. Which is? The Fifth Element.
0: That's your favorite movie of all time. All, all time. Great movie. Great movie. But favorite play. of all time is Out of Control. She's Out of Control? The, the, the fact that that's your favorite movie of all time is Out of Control.
1: Oh, I'm going to have to have you turn it down a little bit because that's, uh, of course, <laughs> the savior of the universe. And I won't have it.
0: <laughs> I just, I, I cannot, I get asked this a lot, especially with my passion for movies. It's, Jim, you know, what's your favorite movie? Uh, It's actually been a debate on some of the podcasts we've done over at at, uh, Don't Forget a Towel. Um, I can't answer the question because I have I have 20 movies that are all my favorite. It depends on the mood I'm in. It depends on the genre I want to watch. It depends on what era. I mean, there's so many things it depends on that I can't pick. I mean, there are movies that I love that I absolutely love that are just not good movies. And then there are movies that are phenomenal. They're shot well. They're written well. But I'm just Not a big fan of. Like, I appreciate them. I know they're good movies, but they're not on my list, you know?
1: So how I answer what my favorite movie of all time is, is the movie I've watched the most in my life. And it's definitely The Fifth Element. I've watched it way too many times. It would have to be either The the Fifth Element or um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. uh, Just the title screen for the DVD. Because I used to (laughs) sleep to that on repeat. I don't know if you ever lived that life.
0: I don't know if you can call that a movie, just the title <laughs> screen. Just the,
1: the title screen, just repeating itself. sir sort of ambient noise when I slept. Had to watch it a million times. Nice. But, yeah, that's just the way I figure. My favorite movie is the one I watched the most. When they put, they put not too long ago, they put uh, the fifth element was on on Netflix for a bit. I just had yeah. it playing consistently, like while I was like playing games and stuff. I just had it playing on my tablet with subtitles on.
0: If we're gonna go with movies that you've seen the most, then I'd have to go with either basic or snake eyes. Have you seen either one of those?
1: I think I've seen Snake Eyes, but I don't know. I'd have to like we'll have to look up to see what the plot is. So like, Sna-
0: Snake Eyes is Jack or not Jack Nicholson, uh Nicholas Cage. This is this is prior to him basically going bankrupt and making every single movie they, they asked him to make. Uh, this is, is back the, when he was still being
1: this movie is not face-off.
0: It's, it's not Face Off. Snake Eyes is right around Face Off and Con Air, and he plays a crooked cop who winds up being in, you know, coincidentally the wrong place at the wrong time, and he witnesses a murder, but he witnesses a murder in front of a packed stadium, um, and the guy who pulls the trigger is killed instantly, but... Something doesn't feel right. He starts doing some investigating. It's very noir, very, you will know, follow the clues. Just a really good movie. And then um, basic is John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson. And that's, again, a very noir movie about uh, it's actually got one of my favorite kind of plot devices in the movie. The movie starts off and you're following a. literally the opening scene is a group of soldiers in a helicopter flying in the middle of a tropical storm to do a training exercise. Uh, it fades to black. you see the opening you know kind of mon- the credits and and you know who's in the movie. The next scene is the same group of soldiers, well two of the same soldiers. they're shooting at each other and there's a helicopter coming in to pick them up and uh, the entire movie is what happened in between those two scenes. It's just it's a really well done um, oh, movie. a different type of uh,
1: Tarantino movie.
0: Yeah, instead, kind of.
1: Instead of just working backwards, you're figuring out between two scenes.
0: Yeah, but to me, Tarantino's overrated, and and I've I've gone in so much in depth on how I think Tarantino's a bad director. But, um, but yeah, it's it's very it's kind of the same idea where it's oh kind God. of chopped up. So just to round out those those top five movies, April fifteenth, uh, we got Jungle Book, followed by Barbershop, the next cut. So it's the sequel to Barbershop. The, the fact that that's number two on this list is Out of Control. I like Barbershop. I thought it was a good movie. But it's it's one of those movies. one of those
1: Control movies. Is, is, your, is, your like slow, is like your, your catch. <laughs> like, it means not good. Out is, of I Control mean, like, doing sounds like could be like, you know, cool. It's Out of Control here. Dude.
0: Like, out but, of Control can mean anything. It could be good. It can be bad. It is my catch-all phrase, yeah. But Barbershop is one of those movies where the first one's really good and the then next the next one. five yeah. well they they always do like five or six movies after and they're all direct to DVD none of the same actors it's just garbage um, that's followed by The Boss then number four uh, Batman B, Superman Dawn of Justice phenomenal movie and then the fifth one to round off the top is Zootopia have you ever seen that? Uh,
1: yeah I love Zootopia
0: Zootopia's oh, a great movie want
1: that on the record I love i love
0: <laughs> judy Hops, man
1: yeah, that's the one with the sloth right
0: that's the one with the sloth yeah the dmv
1: absolutely love that that was so that, that was just everything i wanted that scene to be right
0: there <laughs> <laughs> well i really appreciate you recommending this movie man it, it was a pretty good movie overall i think i'd give it like a b b plus maybe i'm cool with that
1: um if you didn't like it, I wasn't going to be offended because, uh, you know, it happens, you know, like I, I like for me, like, because I say like I read a lot. So unfortunately for me in movies, like I can either I try not to speak because I'm like, oh, I usually know what's about to happen. So like in this movie was one of them where uh, things didn't happen exactly because like, you know, like where the guy walked just walked away and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go call the cops. And then like, uh, but yeah, but it, but when everyone got what they deserve, that's what I'm talking about in movies. Like, I like that. Because I, I like, I'm kind of like corny in that aspect. I like happy endings, like um, The Fourth Kind or like The Mist. I absolutely hate those movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Mist <laughs> has got one of the craziest endings of any movie I, I have ever whenever,
1: seen. Whenever I was in the movie theater and one of the ending happened, I literally just got up and walked out. And someone was like, <laughs> I, was, like I just I can't like I hate to leave a movie and then like it affect my day like yeah. in
0: a bad way. Like it that... really does. I mean that that movie that movie definitely affects your day. Oh. Uh no, this is this was a good movie. I liked it. I if, if nothing else, it was great to see Patrick Stewart play uh not the cookie cutter vanilla character he usually plays and and to even worse to play a bad guy. He does it so well. I really wish he would do that more often. It was really nice seeing that you know against typecasting.
1: Yeah, because plus, I mean, I've cried before because of that guy.
0: What, what, uh, we got to hear the details on this one.
1: Yeah. Well, like, I just cry in movies. Like, that's kind of like a, a thing. Like, I get emotionally attached to people, and plus, I cry. So, like, uh, in X-Men 3, uh, when he got dusted, uh, like, I let loose and just died.
0: So, <laughs> I, I am not against crying during movies. I have been known to shed a tear or two at some emotional scenes. But I of, of all the, Rangers. Like of all you, the movies to cry during, X Men Three? There's only one reason why you cry during X Men Three, and that's because you wasted your money on the ticket.
1: No, I feel I feel that, but that was their like their dad, like you know, like I'm just like I was connected to more like not just like the movie, you know, but just like the storyline and everything like behind it, you know. I'm more I'm more was just connected to the characters and stuff at that point. But it's like I mean like, but like it's not like I didn't know him, you know. I mean, like, Professor X, I knew him before he was like on before I ever seen him in a movie, you know what I mean? So it's like, I was just connected to that moment. And when he got, I was like, dude, I was done.
0: Fox Studios took a giant shit on not only the X-Men franchise, but the Dark Phoenix saga, and then waited, what, a whole five years to take another dump on it? It, I can't, I can't. At least Sony, when it comes to the Spider-Man, you know, little shit they took, they tried. They they had a couple decent movies, a couple good attempts. Um, I mean, obviously Marvel hit the the ball out of the park, but with the X-Men, I can't, I can't. Deadpool, come on. Origins, the whole Origins movie. So do you know that Fox, prior to the release of of Wolverine Origins, Fox had this whole thing mapped out where they were going to do Origins on each character. They had actually greenlit a second X Men Origins, uh, Magneto, where they were going to go into his, you know, backstory with the the concentration camps and Wait, set during World War II. Enjoy no, it was it was so horrible. It got such terrible reviews that Fox scrapped the whole Origins offshoot and ended up instead going with the, um, you know, the Blacks on the Past type X Men movies, which was again, <laughs> ugh. Jesus! <laughs>
1: Did you see they're doing a horror now? X Men horrors? Yeah, the the next one they're coming out is the ones with the kids in like the asylum, and they have like special gifts or whatever. I think it's called like uh, something. I can't remember, but it's a, yeah, it's a horror film coming out by. But, so but that they're doing,
0: that fun. might have been the plan prior to uh, Disney buying up Fox Studios. I mean, they they now own the rights to not only X Men. Thank God again. Uh, but Fantastic Four as well. Marvel is so petty when it comes to, and and rightfully so. Let me let me just start before I, I get you know, mut- emails and comments. What? Huh? New Mutants is what it's called. Yeah, so they, they're going to do the New Mutants uh, franchise, but Marvel is so petty when it comes to, you know, the their rights to their merchandise that when Fantastic Four, the first movie, was oh. announced, oh. yeah, which was a colossal crap, um, Marvel not actually... know how
1: much i love dr doom uh, oh, he's and... one of the best oh,
0: villains marvel has <laughs> uh, so marvel actually stopped producing the fantastic four comic book in order to kind of reduce the um you know the the stigma behind the name uh just to keep people from going to see the movie which i mean people didn't see that movie for many other reasons other than that but But regardless, I don't want to hold you up. Junior, thank you so much for for watching this movie and recommending it. Thanks for for talking to me about it. Um, I I,
1: I killed three beers doing this, so.
0: (laughs) One more quick thing before you go. It's a firm belief by the owners of Don't Forget a Towel that everybody geeks out on something. It might not be comic books or movies. It could be woodworking and football. But who knows? Everybody geeks out on something. So we ask everybody at the end of all of our podcasts, Junior, what is it you're geeking out on right now?
1: Um, I geek out on new music. I'm kind of a a piece of crap when it comes to music taste. <laughs> so like I listen to like, I'm consistently always trying to listen to new music. So like the least amount of people that know the music, the better. And I like to show people new music. So uh, that's just kind of my thing.
0: Well, well, now's your chance. You have the stage. Any any new bands that you would recommend that we haven't heard of?
1: Uh, Yeah, I actually have <clears throat> this guy <clears throat> who is, I think is probably about to blow up if he hasn't blown up already. Um, when I was listening to him the first time, he had uh, under twelve hundred likes, and now he's at. Last I checked, he was at fifty thousand, so it's just coming, coming. His name is is Jack K's. The song is called "Morbid Mind." It's kind of like a punk, punk pop punk kind of esque, kind of like kind of like sad Beach Boy type music, whatever. But Jack K's "Morbid Mind." Um, it's really like uh, it's kind of chanty uh, check it out if you like that kind of music
0: well you heard it here first folks we really appreciate you uh, giving us that insight and uh, thanks again
1: Ain't no worries man I appreciate it see you later dude
0: What is your what's your craziest like gig story?
1: Oh, dude. Um, I guess would we'll probably be uh one of our uh, we were playing close to be playing a show and one of my friends' his name is Nathan. Um, where we he was the guitarist and we're setting up for the show at a place we play all the time. So I mean they trust us and it got to the point to where um they were giving us a we weren't getting paid all the time we were kids and then they got to the point to where they were they were riding when people came in. They would ask you who you're here to see and you'd put a tally by the band that you came to see and for every tally you got a dollar of the person's uh door cost and we got to the point where we were getting like you know like 30 40 dollars uh anytime we played a show which is enough for us to get to have an adult buy us beer you know and then us drink <laughs> after and uh my friend nathan was like nowhere to be found and we couldn't find him and like uh he had and the lo and behold he was the whole time he was in uh somebody else's car he had uh, made a homemade pill and had snorted some cocaine and was just like totally just done like in the back of his car. So he couldn't, he couldn't wake up. We couldn't grab him. And we had had an old guitarist who just like showed up to see the show. And we were like, Hey man, like, uh, could you play like, the old set like with us and he was like i mean i guess so so like he hopped up and played the thing and then and at the end of it like our friend nathan like walks in and he's like you know like chilling he's like what's he doing up there and he was like the show's over dude like (laughs) i don't know where you've been like we've already played the whole show which is pretty crazy
0: jesus